Hello, my name is James Batchelor. And my name is Christopher Dream. And you are listening to the second episode of the MCV Develop podcast. Welcome back. And uh, let's kick off the headlines. Evolution Studios has found a new home at UK Outfit Co-Masters. Evolution is one of the two UK studios to be earmarked for closure in March, the other being Lionhead. Elsewhere, UK studio Freestyle Games, which is owned by Activision, is facing heavy redundancies following a disappointing performance of Guitar Hero Live. In more positive news, her story, Rocket League and Everybody's Gone to the Rapture, each collected three awards each at the video game BAFTAs last week, while Fallout 4 collected the best game prize. BAFTA was part of London Games Festival, which took place last week and featured multiple talks, the race consumer show and a giant Monopoly board. Beamlog Studios attracted controversy amongst a select group of fans after including a transgender character and referencing Gamergate in the new Baldur's Gate expansion, Siege of Dragonspear. The studio has since agreed to remove the Gamergate line, but stands by the transgender NPC promising to develop their story and improve its presentation. And finally, a new international esports event is currently in the works. The E-Games will see countries competing for national pride in Rio during the Olympic Games. It has been backed by several nations, including the UK. Joining us on the podcast this time is Dr. Jo Twist. She is the head of the UK games industry trade body Yuki and has held multiple roles in journalism and media for the BBC and Channel 4. Welcome, Jo, to the show. Thank Good afternoon. Thank you very much for joining us. Uh, now, Jo, you've just come off, I imagine, an absolutely crazy week with the uh, London Games Festival. How did that all, how did you find all that? I have indeed. Um, it was amazing. I never expected Michael French and the team to deliver what they delivered um, in such a short period of time. So it's the first one uh, rebooted and uh, we're doing this in partnership with uh, Film London. And really, it was just really aimed at blowing away some cultural perceptions around games, creating this finance marketplace and really just trying to get as much international spotlight on our fantastic games industry um, as we could. So I'm, I'm exhausted, but the team is even more exhausted, I'm sure. Um, we're used to Michael delivering. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, it's. I mean, it's. I mean, I only. I didn't get to attend all of it. Obviously, we had a working week to handle. But I mean, the, the BAFTAs seemed. I thought the BAFTAs was probably the best that's ever been. Mm. Um, yeah, I mean, I, the, the BAFTAs. I'm. I'm on the BAFTA Games Committee. I hold what BAFTA does very dear to my heart. I think it's a really important organisation, and they are like our Oscars kind of level award ceremony. I think amongst mm-hmm. the other award ceremonies, and um, just because it's such a globally recognised brand, and people are really proud to have an Oscar, as they are with other awards. Um, but you know, it's, it's a proper, uh, sorry, a proper BAFTA mask Oscar, uh, and it's it's just fantastic to see that because these awards celebrate global success stories. It doesn't matter where the game is from or made. Um, the BAFTA nominations sort of cover the global industry and the leading uh, game with the most nominations uh, equaling the most nominations ever for a single title was in fact made in Brighton everybody's gone to the rapture the next one with the most nominations with was of course her story Sam Barlow so it's fantastic to see the Brits I think really dominating the global stage in games yeah I, 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 I love the BAFTAs um, I'm I judge I'm a judge on the um, on some of the categories I'm, I'm until dawn won my category 
which nice. is uh, which I, oh, I love. That game. Another British game. Yeah, another. Yeah, it, it does. It amazes me stuff like that. Like just because I think I think there's not quite enough awareness of, of how many of the the big and impressive games not just like the you know the cool quirky indie ones but some of the big proper triple a ones like until dawn you look at it in the production values you think right this is big mm. hollywood american money and like no no it's a bunch of uh, a bunch of developers down in guildford mm. yeah and that's the thing and you know i love the fact that our industry is so diverse in terms of the type types of titles that are um, nominated and considered and really properly considered you know the voting process is membership first and then you know you have these juries that deliberate for hours mm-hmm. over sausages at BAFTA usually which is quite nice and uh, you know it really is a proper proper thought through process so the competition is really tough so even being nominated is a really really good thing and it's in its own right and I and I think you know again as I said the band the brand BAFTA is sort of globally recognized um, I, I flip-flop between you know whether we should be on telly or not i think absolutely we should be just like film and tv awards are broadcast but you know it's live streamed on twitch and we have that global audience anyway but it'd be nice if people you know average joe blogs on the street would recognize the fact that we have these things called the bafta game awards just a casual flick through the channels nowadays i'm fairly sure there's a few things that could be replaced by a decent award ceremony (laughs) there's a lot of room for improvement on tv (laughs) Which is what I say. Oh, you talked about nominating. Uh, you should be happy to be nominated. I always say this. There was a couple of people on on Twitter that were a bit surprised. Fallout Four won, as if I don't know. It was Tony Hawk's Five or something completely <laughs> offensive had won the award. It wouldn't Fallout Four was a great game, but obviously, yeah. I mean, they awards are good. They highlight achievement and they sort of they're good fun and and the, you know they, they sort of celebrate the industry. But you know, as you say, BAFTAs most of them are judged purely by a panel of experts, which makes them very credible prizes. But it also means that you know that winners are subjective and based on the views of just a handful of people. Uh, and then populist awards, like even the you know um, the Golden Joysticks, their, their problem with them is that people just go for what the brand they recognise. So they, there's always a problem with how you can never there's never a perfect way to judge an award. No. And um, as a result, it's a wonderful achievement if you win, but you really shouldn't matter if you don't. I mean, if you get that far, it's really hard to get that far. Um, particularly in a BAFTA, to get all that way. I mean, I've sit on those um, on those judging panels, and they are they are ruthless. You know, yeah. these games are all incredible, and yet they're really ruthless. Um, so, um, if you get into the nomination stage, you know, you might have won just by one or two votes, but if you get there, then you should be very happy. Absolutely. Mm. And again, you know, the, the the there's a couple of awards that go back to the membership vote. Mm. To- the vote like the best game award and and that's why it's really important that if you want to have a say i think you know and i'm not just doing this because i'm on the committee but joining bafta it's actually you get to contribute and you get to shape um who gets in with a shout you know mm. yeah well i mean it's it's, it's quite positive quite a positive moment in what was it looked up to a point quite a bleak period for the uk games development with the closure of um evolution and lionhead or the, at least the announced closures and then the um and then uh, uh, the redundancies at Freestar. I mean, what did you make of all that, Joe? Well, you know, it's always um, horrible to hear of people losing their jobs and going through redundancy processes. Um, but I guess, you know, in the games industry and in any industry, there are ups and downs and there are various reasons why businesses decide to close. Um, I think what's what's wonderful is that, you know, the, the community, the games community really comes together. And, you know, the number of clusters with uh, key companies and jobs around um is is great and everyone i saw and particularly in guildford were just sort of offering support and places to work and you know help and advice and anything so i think you know it's 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 like the sector is like a living breathing 
um, beast. Sometimes it contracts, sometimes it expands, you know. Mm. And uh, I, but again, there's lots of opportunity um, to find a role. And what you know, what we've seen in the past as well is that we might get a few other companies that are phoenixing um, out of the ashes of, of some of these um, bigger companies, mm. uh, which is always really exciting. It's always about renewal and, and transition and rebirth. I feel that was kind of my reaction. It was like I, I, I absolutely, I'm, I'm the same. I, I hate to see a studio close. I really hate to see people lose jobs because you know I think we've all we've all been through that at, at yep. some point in our lives. We've all had those. Yeah, we're making redundancies. We've all been on the receiving end, end of that. But the the joy is that nowadays because there's so many opportunities in development, any studio that goes under could spawn five or six more plus a few indies plus talented people going to other studios so the initial yeah the initial reaction to seeing the you know, lion head may close is well that means loads of fable developers are going to go and boost a bunch of other studios or do yeah. new things under you know at, from out out from the control of being published run and, and and embracing that independence so and, and you know the latest news you know stuff like the fact that Evolution has joined um, Codemasters, so that team has kind of been rescued. The mm-hmm. uh, the story that MCV did that, that Chris found that, that Lionhead might have um, either either a kind of a, a buyer or that there there are other alternatives. It means that closure doesn't mean it's the end. Thank God. Exactly, and you know, again, you know, I hate to get all philosophical in your asses, but you know, it is the cycle of life. You know, all good things come to an end eventually. And, uh, you know, again, if you have resilience in this industry personally and as a business, um, and resilience means being able to deal with these tough times, um, then that is a life skill. And that, that you know, it is, there's going to be some tough times. Not everything will succeed, but good things come out of things, of bad things too. I do, I do think some of it, I mean, just shows you the challenge in the AAA space, though, because that's what all these free studios have in common. There are completely three different reasons. I was called into um, uh, uh, Sky. Sky wanted to do a little talk about um, the state of the um, uh, state of the UK games industry um, uh, after these closures. And I uh, and I said, well, it's, it's, it's fine. These are all very free individual cases. I mean, Fable, the Fable Legends game, it was actually okay. It wasn't working out. It was taking longer to develop than expected. It was a completely different situation. It wasn't anything to do with the British games industry. Likewise, um, Evolution and Drive Club, it didn't, it wasn't, it didn't, hadn't worked out. You know, it was a big gamble and, it, and unfortunately it didn't come up sixes. And then there's, and then there's, you know, Guitar Hero Live, which is an amazing game, but it, its unit sales were lower than Guitar Hero Wars of Rock. And when Guitar Hero Warriors of Rock came out, um, well, that killed the franchise. So it just sort of like, you know, it's disappointing. It's really disappointing, but it just shows how difficult, risky that, that side of the games industry is. Um, and look, we're still seeing growth in the industry. And you, mm. you look at the consumer market, went past 4 billion for the first time ever um, in 2015. Um, we're still the top selling, uh, you know, uh, entertainment um, in retailers. Uh, we're leading when it comes to kind of digital economy across, the U- the, across Europe. All the companies in China and South Korea look to the UK for where all the creativity is is hatching. Um, we've had 237 games uh, get their video game tax relief in 2015 in its first year, and we're rivaling the number of applications per month that film gets. You know, against this backdrop, we've got it is again about this transition, and we've got this really exciting time, and and I think it's going to get even better. Um, you know, over the next kind of couple of years. And I'm particularly excited about how much focus we in this country have on VR. 
you know, some of the incredible stuff that we're bringing our experience and expertise to, to create different kinds of VR experiences. I think it's just it's just a shame that these three closures almost kind of take away from, like, like you said, like, yeah, that exciting time. And, you know, you mentioned like the uh, 237 games approved for tax breaks. I think when the tax breaks got announced, everyone thought, brilliant, that means lots of big money coming into Britain and, you know, Activision and U- Ubisoft and EA and all those setting up studios over here. And then we've seen kind of the opposite with Microsoft Sony and Activision all shutting shutting down or downsizing well, the studio, but yeah, but on the other side, you know, you haven't heard of the stories of where extra investment has gone in because of tax relief um, no. by those companies as well. And I think again, the, the tax relief came in in 2014. We did, you know, we've had one year of it essentially. So these things, these business decisions, and these kinds of things do take time to per- percolate through. And I think so. We'll see some lots of other kind of changes happening probably. But these things take time. You know, it's it's great if you're a single developer or five of you setting up a company and starting to trade, you know, but it does take time with bigger companies and bigger kind of, you know, global decisions, I guess, that that, that are made. But this is part of the reason why we, we, we wanted to reboot London Games Festival. You know, we said to the mayor's culture team at the time when we were bidding for the money, which was, you know, we want we want you to do uh, for games what you did for London Fashion Week. We want you to put us on the, uh, you know, on on the global map again. And it needs that mayoral backing and support to be able to do this properly. And we created the finance marketplace and film London are experts at doing this because we want that international investment. So again, this is whole kind of ream of activity that we're doing throughout the year as Yuki but also as part of the festival and the wider plan is all about that you know it, it's a long job and to get into the hearts and minds of those with the deep pockets. Mm. Well I mean I, you talk about it's James was talking about there about you know some studios closing actually if you look for so Dirt Rally just came out UK May game number two in the charts yeah. and a couple of weeks you've got the UEFA European 2016 Pair Evolution soccer game which is part made in the UK, um, you've also got um, you know you've got some smaller titles like Constructor, but you've also got um, um, Homefront next month and Total War Warhammer should be called Total Warhammer. Anyway. <laughs> um, uh, you've got a game coming out; it's made in the UK, and then you've sort of No Man's Sky in June and Lego Star Wars in June. It's actually a bit of a it's a bit of a you know as I say, lots of people might take this as a sign of problems in the game. It is uh, no. I, we talk, we one of our favourite studios. One of the I played. I was in the UK offices actually recently to play Ukulele, which is the new. Um, I can't yeah. say too much about it. I've been NDA'd. It was great. I'll say that. <laughs> um, and um, uh, that's made from a bunch of former rare guys. You're actually almost seeing a new independent. A lot of these, in a way, it's quite nice to see so many. The tax breaks benefit the games industry, not in the same way the movie industry did, where it dragged. Ne- well, not necessarily where it dragged people mm. like Warner Brothers mm. over here, but it. It inspires a lot of our own talent to um, and go and do it themselves. You, you look at the games, that the, the studios that are trying new things and getting everyone talking. You know, No Man's Sky, uh, Hello Games, like you know, procedural mm. generation. Like people are, are chomping at the bit to get that and have been for a mm. good couple of years. Things like well, one that I'm kind of looking forward to is um, uh, Ninja Theory's Hellblade. Like this whole adventure that's not just about killing monsters, it's about exploring. The effects, the psychological effects of of someone who survives, you know, a traumatic, you know, a, a horrific attack, mm-hmm. and you know, there, there's so much experimentation going. You know, going back to the BAFTA results, the fact that you know the big two winners were a quote unquote walking simulator, as some people <laughs> some people refer to them online, and a, and a game that's about interrogating suspects in a murder, and like yeah. and, and, and that's entirely done through video. There's so much kind of um, inventiveness coming out that uh, Which is, yeah. 
Which, sorry, which is which is what we're known for, right? And mm. and and the and the thing that always gets me is I I just have no time for those kinds of questions. Which is, you know, is it a game? Is it you know? Yes, of course it's a game. It's it requires uh, software, as in you need to program this. You need to craft code in order to create this experience, and you've got those other creative elements that make a game so crucial and so interesting. Um, but you know, it's also got rules. You don't, you may not like the rules, and you may not like the game, the game mechanic. But there is game mechanic in there, and you know, for 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 audiences who haven't yet really seen the games can be for them. I think there's a huge rich scene there um, that is as yet properly untapped. And they are people like me who I can't stand really, I can't stand assume knowledge in games and they're just not the games for me. Um, I can't stand controllers, uh, control pads. So, you know, everyone just finds it hilarious watching me play, try to play impatiently any kind of first person shooter with a game pad, you know, and I kind of hammer up a little bit because, you know, you've got, you've got to make the, the, the team like you some way, haven't you? And, uh, <laughs> and But, you know, for me, it's those kinds of games that are going to appeal to a different kind of audience um, that hasn't yet come, maybe come to games in the same way as the rest of us have. So to go back a little bit, Simo Digital is having a great run at the moment. Yeah, they're uh, doing really well. Yeah, they're working on the new Crackdown, aren't they? And, and Which is completely against the whole thing we're talking about, sort of innovative new ideas. Not that they're not innovative, they're obviously great, but Crackdown and Dead Island 2 as well being made. Mm. In the UK. That was a big win for us. Um, but then again, that goes back to you know, like the, you know, the, the three studios that have sadly closed have been AAA, and yeah, AAA obviously is, is quite a very risky market. But the fact that there is still AAA investment and development happening here, Crackdown is being developed here. Yeah. You know, how long have been pay- people been waiting for a new Crackdown, and it's coming from bleeding Sheffield. <laughs> <laughs> and and again, you know, we've got to make sure that. Uh, people kind of understand that, that that this kind of combination of this ecosystem that we've got here, which is our creativity, the talent here, you know, the best computer scientists coming out of university uh, who are who are doing doing loads of really interesting work in procedurally generated worlds, which I'm just obsessed with, but I do not remotely understand. Um, but plus the games tax relief, that those incentives uh, make a story. They make the ecosystem. It's not just one thing or another. And I think it's really you'd be hard pressed to find another place um, that I think has all of those kind of combination or that combination of elements. Do, do we need more? Do you think? Do you think? I know it's. I feel bad whenever I say whenever I see the, the demanding more from the government because I think the government gives a lot of support generally. But do, do you there more they can do? Um, it's always a difficult one because I think what what we want government to to, to focus on is not letting. Um, uh, unnecessary regulation and barriers to business be put up and I think we're, there's some stuff coming out of what's called the digital single market proposals at European level um, which were the government's very very strongly you know sort of taking our and other sector stance around so it's kind of more like which is really odd to tell regulators not to regulate but it's like don't let this happen uh, over here because that will put up unnecessary barriers. And it's in a lot of the thinking in Europe is sort of based around um, not necessarily understanding different sectors. They're taking a one view or one size fits all view of what digital is, which just doesn't work. Um, so for us, it's more about asking government to make sure that they're continuing to um, promote the sector and not put unnecessary regulation in place. We've got a lot to do as an industry, I think. You know, there's lots that we can do. Um, I think there is still a lot more work that could be done around uh, just, you know, unleashing some other public funding where needed. So, you know, there are still games and ideas that 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 just don't get made because no one's no one's necessarily giving them that first funding step up. 
And it's the kind of thing that BBC does and Channel 4 does really well uh, in other screen content. Um, I think Colin's doing a brilliant job at, at Channel 4 with all four games, but I think BBC may, maybe needs to step up to the plate a bit. Likewise, Film Council, uh, sorry, the British Film Institute and the Arts Council, who fund content and new ideas in other sectors, so why not games? Yeah, that's a good point. Although I have, I have been recently talking to the BBC and apparently they are actually looking at ramping up um, how they're, they're talking to developers and licensing out their IP to kind of get more um, get more projects up on, on, on the way. So I, 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 there's room for improvement, but I, I think we're kind of starting to take steps towards it. Um, yeah, but like, there's, there's a difference between licensing IP and actually giving space for new ideas to yeah. emerge and new concepts and new standalone games with, with worlds that are built from the ground up uh, you know, with its heart in a game or its heart in a digital world. Well, there is a big difference there. The BBC's um, tackling something which I, I, I regularly comes up when I'm chatting to people for uh, on behalf of developers, that, you know, the idea of kind of promoting the idea of coding and game design as a, as a career to young children, the school children, like they're obviously doing the uh, the BBC Microbit, which is, you know, being given to, or has already been given to, every year seven child. And uh, unless you're a Daily Mail reader and you believe it's going to train a generation of hackers, um, that, <laughs> it's it's a good start to kind of saying, hey, look, this is great fun. I mean, Christ, I remember when I was um, at school, we had a few lessons on how to use BASIC. I don't think it was BBC BASIC, it was just another form of BASIC. And I spent that, that summer you know, programming little choose your own adventures. Now I didn't take it any further, but hopefully like the generations of, of people who are playing around with the BBC micro bit um, will do. Yeah, I think it's a start. Um, I think we're in different times than, than where we were obviously in the eighties when my first computer wished, you know, computer that I had on my Christmas wish list to Santa was a BBC micro cause I am that old. Um, but you know, it, it, it things it, that was in, in, in lieu of anything else. And I think the micro bit, yes, it's great. Uh, so is Raspberry Pi. However, if I'm eight years old and you put that in front of me, um, it would be the teacher and what I do with it and why that would be inspiring me, not the kit itself. So mm. I think there's still a job of work to be done to make sure that teachers are able to understand that physics and maths and computer programming, plus art and creativity and storytelling, are the unique combinations to create those polymaths and those people who are not just the future of our industry, but the future of any industry. You know, you think where, where programming and, and, and uh, computer science is used, um, it's, you know, you need to design systems. Systems need to be designed. Systems need to be designed in terms of how people interface with them, you know, how people use them. So we, we need to make sure that that combination and that support for teachers is there. And we also need to make sure that those kids at age eight um, don't have those stereotypes about where this can lead you, you know, and it's not just a career in a narrow set of uh, sectors. It's it's blown apart now. It's, it's completely wide open. But I just don't think the teachers necessarily have the right support, um, which we could do as an industry, but government could do more to, to, to help in order to give them that advice. Mm, yeah. Well, my brother, my brother's just, uh, he's at university at the moment studying computer programming um, and he finds it a... Uh, uh, well, it's a completely different world when he stepped out of sort of education. Obviously, he's missed the uh, impact of the Ian Livingston and the, and the Hope Report. Um, yeah. So it's a bit of a shame there. You're going back, you're going back to the BBC for a moment, um, J um, James. I actually spoke to, I did a pit project recently about Doctor Who video games. I looked at when they did the Doctor Who adventure games back in oh my God. with Charles Cecil. I did an awful lot on that. And it's interesting because they, they did one series and then they did a one-off special. And they didn't do one after that. And I was, talking I was to, there. Uh, oh. I was there. Well, well, I was talking to the um, 
uh, one of the people I interviewed about it, and I said, so why didn't, why wasn't there a second series? I know there was a second, a one-off episode. Why wasn't there a second series? And somebody said, and they said to me, oh, there's probably the license fee is probably up for renewal, and everyone got nervous, and they always back out of doing interesting things when they were, when the license fee gets up. And I was like, oh, okay. Um, I don't know if that's anything to do with it. I wonder if, I wonder if um, once they've, they've not got the government breathing down their neck, they'll um, they'll be able to experiment a little bit more. They have done recently some create uh, create your own Doctor Who games on the Doctor Who website. It's not quite what we need. But... That's the thing. Like, a lot of that stuff is like, it, it, and a lot of the broadcasters do that. Like Cartoon Network does it as well. Like they've got little kind of create your own games or little mini games, but they're all browser based. Yeah. And yeah. Then, you know, it, it's, it's a rubbish. start. It's, it's not. It's a bad start. I'm sorry. I'm, no, quite, no, no. I'm quite vehement about this. And I love what the BBC does. And we, we do work with them on this. Um, and I think BBC Make It Digital program has been brilliant. But, you know, we've given an awful lot of feedback and we've brought um, people who are within our um, you know network into the room to talk to them. And, you know, the, the problem is there's no connection with what are the tools that are freely available anyway. You know, pe- people from... Uh, you know, kids at school to professionals making BAFTA winning games are using Unity or Unreal and these things are freely available. So, you know, a sort of game maker on the BBC, browser-based game maker and BBC website isn't necessarily matching or helping you, you know, to progress to those tools or even starting with those tools. I mean, they could be doing loads of talking head videos from people in the sector to help kind of guide people using Unity for the first time or using Scratch or using all the other tools that are publicly available. You know, and I think that's the missing jigsaw piece. Yeah, yeah. well, I did love it when they did the adventure games. I thought it was clever, you know. It was it was another series within a, a thing, and that was when, I can't remember, was it Simon Nelson or whoever? I can't remember. Uh, I was team... We did a whole kind of strategy, six weeks of strategy workshops uh, with the Gibson brothers to to yeah. understand what would <clears throat> what would be the best thing for public service money to be spent on. Yeah, in terms I... of genre, and there there were a few issues around it, but you know I I agree. I thought it was the the better route to take. Unfortunately, at the same time, you had BBC Worldwide commissioning Doctor Who games, and then there was a pull on talents. Uh, there was sort of clashes there between worldwide and public service because they don't really talk to each other effectively and again that's one of the systemic things about the bbc that just needs to be sorted out so that our money can be spent in the way that we want it to be yeah i did i did actually during the so during the if there's actually it was printed in a dot two magazine a couple of weeks ago eight pages on it um and it starts <laughs> off what well, bbc worldwide so the consumer edition they started making their own dot two games and they went back to yep. licensing and they went back to making their own video games then they went back to licensing and it was yep. during that licensing period when they finally decided to license out Doctor Who games, that they were making, the, you, had, um, you had BBC Worldwide, they eventually commissioned those awful games, um, The Return to Earth and Evacuation Earth, at the same time the adventure games were happening. That yep. year, there were nine Doctor Who games released, if you That's count the adventure insane. games. And it's like, <laughs> before up until that point, there hadn't been nine Doctor Who games in the entire <laughs> history of Doctor Who. Um, and it was absolutely mad. Um, but it was, um, and there was actually a, a really funny story in that they, they'd originally got EA, on board to make a doctor well they hadn't they thought they had and it was a oh, big disappointment in the thing is though do we even need these massive non-games companies like on board or, or supporting us like give, given that there are so many opportunities out there and, like yeah, people are releasing games you know, on mobile on steam on early access on and even starting to get them into things like idea xbox you know there are routes to market there are routes for, for creators so do we need like the bbc and channel 4 helping out can I, can I argue why we do? Yes. Uh, so, 
uh, you do get games um, that otherwise would not be made or be struggled uh, would struggle to be made. Now, Chinese Room, for instance. So that kind of game. Imagine going to now. Luckily enough, they did get Sony involved. We we know how that has turned out. However, they did also they managed to get some Creative Europe funding, which is the same sort of public. It's people. Organizations. It's not necessarily what you know the BBC or Channel Four, but it is organizations who 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 um, administer public money. Okay, and my argument is that there are still those ideas that in order to get to a stage where you're then claiming your tax credit because it's culturally relevant, um, there there are very few routes to market. You know, we know what the VC culture is like in terms of funding. The Games Fund, the UK Games Fund, is brilliant in terms of prototype funding. But if you could get that, you know, here's how it might work. You get friends and family angel investment or you get prototype investment. Then you pitch your idea to a public fund or to a publisher, depending on what the idea is. You know, publishers, we know that there aren't probably enough kind of publishers to go around for all the ideas that are there. Um, but that there, there is this gap in funding and financing of those more unusual ideas where it's not immediately obvious where the commercial uh, revenue will come from. But it's an idea that probably should be made. And eventually that means that they can build their portfolio as a company. Um, they don't necessarily have to take on work for hire that they don't really want to take on. You know, it's all options. But I think there is definitely that funding gap. And I think that would get more companies to a stage where they're becoming sustainable. I saw this work when I was at Channel 4. And the companies that we helped just give that first step up and our commissioning budgets were anything from £80,000 per game to £350,000 per game. And they were all browser-based, all, all built in Unity, mostly. So, you know, th th there is a gap. And I think it is for the kind of content that we sort of delight in and is very distinctly British. And there isn't immediately um, a, a sort of a publisher or a financier who's going to take a commercial risk on that product. That's the key, and that's what those public funds are set up for. We've been told, James. We've been told. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. And it's just, and it just seems unequal. It just seems unequal that you know these 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 bodies, and there are various of them that that administer public money. You know, they 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 should be supporting the talent uh, with these kinds of ideas. Um, they support other screen-based talent. You know, that's the in, in, it's, it's unequal in terms of support. And I just think it's a little bit of a cultural bias that we have. Mm. As we said, whenever there's kind of a, a government release about, you know, the, the help they're giving to screen industries or creative industries, digital industries, I always have a look for the word games. Yeah. And it's usually just shoehorned in there between, like, film, TV, animation, visual effects, like all the ones that I mean, I mean, okay, I know that Britain's, no, you know, Britain's helping out making things like Avengers and uh, and Star Wars and and maybe to an extent some game stuff even AAA stuff can't quite compete with hey we're making Star Wars here but there's definitely some stuff that comes close but we're making all the Lego games here mm, we're making yeah. we make Grand Theft Auto here which still still is unbeaten in terms of the amount of money it made in the first three days so you know compared to any other any film so you know we still we are rivaling them um but i think there's just a change in in sort of how we think of games more broadly as a society that needs to happen mm -hmm. i don't really want and it's not really you know it's only so grand theft auto is only going to take us so far you know if, if, mm. what we want is the best you talk about i always talk about the tax relief and um, the movies mm. get 
And, you know, obviously, yes, it means that it helps us get Star Wars and Batman or whatever. But really what that tax relief really does is it allows film, films like Lady in the Van to get made, right? You mm. know, the sort of things that... Riskier ones. Yeah, smaller ones, ones that wouldn't have got made perhaps as much attention otherwise. And it allows it to... And, you know, and it brings in different people, you know, different audiences, and it widens it. You know, it's, it's beneficial to the entire industry globally. You know, everybody's gone to the rapture. You know, I, I've got a friend of mine, never played a game. Let's her husband play Battlefront. She watched the BAFTAs and she was so won over by her story and everybody's gone to the rapture that she bought them both. And that, exactly. and you know, she would never have played Grand Theft Auto. She'd never dream of it. Can't, even now she can't imagine it. But those games, exactly the sort of thing. And, you know, there is an element of truth in that you don't get that in many other countries. It's something mm. that we do. No, and, and that's exactly it. It's just about people being able to hear about these things without having, you know, and that's the importance of mainstream media and, you know, being able to hear about these things or these games uh, in, in, God forbid, the Daily Mail in a, in a positive way. But, you know, in those, in those places that not the usual suspect audience is watching or reading, you know, it's really, really important. And that's why we're really, really glad that we've got Film London on board um, as a partner in the sort of London Games Festival, because they've got this unique position with TV, animation and film industry. And hopefully we can we can sort of make sure that 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 they understand in, in terms of those sectors, what is actually going on in, in the games industry and what the talent is actually making. You know, because they're, they, these skills are crossover skills. Lovely. Well, uh, I think that is all we have time for. But um, thank you so much for joining us today, Joe. No problemo. Any kind of a shout out you'd like to give? Uh, shout out uh, any anyone who wants to bring their games to Play Beer Friday, because we we need some more games, please. <laughs> it's a team thing we have. Uh, we, we might do some um, No Man's Sky. Who knows? That's what I want. That's what I really want. Okay. Okay. All right, there we are. That's that's that shouted out. <laughs> I'm adding. Thanks. I'm adding Play Beer Friday to my, uh, my calendar now. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Thank you, Joe. Yeah. Um, this has been the MCB and Develop podcast. We'll be back in uh, a few weeks. Yeah. Um, during the Women of the Year Awards. Perhaps. Yes. Yes. Oh, Women in Games Awards. Women sorry, Games Awards. sorry, that's last year. Women in Games Awards. Um, and uh, yeah, we'll probably uh, be speaking during that. In the meantime, you can find all your games industry news at MCV Online and Develop Online. We're on Twitter. Those are our Twitter handles. Um, we're obviously mcvuk.com and develop-online.net. This podcast is available via iTunes, Player FM, Pocket Cast, and Stitcher. Uh, until next time, thank you very much for joining us. Yeah.